This is a podcast from National Music Camp 2019. Hi, I'm Stella Joseph Jurecki, and you're listening to New Music at NMC, a 2019 National Music Camp podcast. This year, we have four young composers at National Music Camp. They've each written a 10-minute piece, which will be performed at the end of camp by tutors and students. Josh Weinstock recently finished studying composition at Sydney Conservatorium of Music with Damien Ricketson and is part of a new music group called Spiral, as well as an improvisation ensemble by the name of Ensemble Ensemble. I asked him how he first found himself composing music. When I was young, I began playing guitar basically because I thought it was cool. You have a certain idea of what's cool when you're eight or so, and then I started writing tunes. My parents bought me Sibelius, the small version. And once you have Sibelius, which is the music notation software that most composers use to to write their music, um, it becomes very easy to write for large ensembles. And I kind of just got on a roll. And then I I ended up in the conservatorium and it kind of became the main thing I did. Um, But it's interesting because I think You know, many composers come from a performance background and sometimes I wish that I'd come from there. I think there's a lot of integrity that you get from coming from a performance background and coming from having extremely high-level instrumental skills before you start composing and that being the reason you start composing. I've never had that. I'm not an amazing instrumentalist. I play a bunch of instruments, but not that well. And so that's always interested me, that kind of dichotomy of approaches. Well, not that it's a dichotomy, but that, you know, difference. So at what point did you realise you wanted to pursue composition further? When I first started writing, as I said, you get Sibelius, you can stack up instruments pretty quickly. And so pretty quickly I was writing orchestral scores far too early because, you know, one shouldn't entrust a 12-year-old with an orchestra. It's a bad idea. But the music department at my school thought it was a cool idea because it makes them look very clever. I had four orchestral pieces played by the, the school's orchestra and the last year choir as well during high school. And then, you know, after I finished school, I thought, what am I going to do? I applied to the Sydney Conservatorium and somehow I got in. Once you're there, it kind of sets you along a path. I think also what's in- very important, though, is the communities that you end up being a part of. Like, I think... It's a big motivator for me, the fact that I'm in a chamber group with other composers and we write for each other and that I have like other performers around me who I can write for and who I connect with about music. You know, many people with whom I go to concerts, there's a, you know, a community around that. And I think that's you know, really instrumental in making it part of your life and part of something that you can invest all of yourself in because there are people who talk about composing being a passion for them that they can fulfill on their own, just solitary producing work. Um, But I think most people need something more than that. And I think you look to community, the people you make music with, and that really gets you hooked. Could you name a living composer who inspires you? I think I've been looking to the to the harmonic language of Thomas Adez recently, and I think to some extent less voluntarily the rhythmic language. He kind of just sets the bar for what's there. For people who don't know his music or haven't seen his scores, He uses very complex rhythmic notation and also this shifting, almost kaleidoscopic harmonic language of tonal elements that move in and out of focus with each other, which I find really appealing. Beyond that sphere, there's an Armenian jazz pianist named Tigran Hamasyan, who I think is a rhythmic idol to me. You know, he makes all sorts of music. It kind of ranges from straight up jazz to math metal, but he's got this great approach to meter. And I think, you know, that's really worth listening to. It's uh, crowd pleasing music. So how would you describe the sound world of your music? 
Well, I'm coming to terms with the idea that I'm essentially a popular music composer in the kind of shoes of a contemporary classical composer. Not that either of those terms mean anything. I enjoy writing rhythmic music, often cross-rhythmic. I think those two influences I said, Ardez and Tigran Hamasyan, more or less sum it up. I also do some post-minimalist involved music as me and some friends have been kind of involved in playing some early minimalism and we've kind of been getting to the bottom of what principles really make that up you know iterative generative processes before minimalism became essentially easy listening with lots of repeats you have ideas like steve reich of music in which the process is exposed and music that's like a puzzle that if you follow it along and sense the pattern you might be able to absorb the piece as a whole and i quite like that that kind of purity and my music's not nearly that pure but i still do work with some of those ideas has the camp and working with melody changed your approach to composition? I would say it's difficult with only a week. It'd have to be a, a really traumatic week in order to change one's entire approach to composing. But yeah, I'd say time pressure is forcing me to evaluate my methods. And I think also when you have a, a project that is as clear cut as this one, you have an orchestra there, you have to write a certain length piece, you know that they'll play it because they're good. So it's really just down to you. I think that kind of sheds some light on some things that you're doing. And I think that the whole, the whole dimension of having these lessons has been great, apart from the fact that I'm surrounded by these other three composers who are also doing, and we've been sharing our work. And Melody's been fantastic. I think, you know, as a teacher, she's really insightful and has also been giving us lots of other ideas as to creative projects that we could be doing through the week. So we have these main pieces, but then she's been giving us readings, listening tasks, and other art-related, visual art-related or photography-related things to think about. And we may end up coming out with more than one piece from this week. So it's quite exciting. I'm really looking forward to the next week. So composing can be quite a solitary activity, but how have you found the experience of composing alongside other composers here at camp? Well, it's only collaborative to a certain extent. I think in most classical sphere composition, there's got to be a time when you're just sitting down alone. And that's been a lot of this, a lot of this week. I'm just sitting alone at the piano, I've got my computer, and I've just got to write. We haven't really had very much contact with the orchestra. I've talked to the conductor a bit now, because orchestras, their time is precious, is valuable. And so, you know, once we start the rehearsal, it's all go. But what the collaborative or the community aspect of it is that once I close my computer and move away from the piano, I can start talking to other people about it and I can start consulting with melody and consulting with my compositional peers and also consulting with the performers at the camp um, who also have given me certain advice, well-founded or not, on certain practical aspects of what I'm writing, which is good. I can even, you know, give things to people and see if they're playable. And it's really just, you know, nice to be knowing that Everyone around you is part of this same process. So there's a kind of a tide that's sweeping us all along, which stops it from getting stale as it can when you're just writing music on your own for days on end. So would you describe yourself as a full-time composer? Being a full-time composer is a very complicated uh, proposition. Composer, just as a word, doesn't exactly imply a job description. I'd say it can be a large part of what you do. It can be all of what you do, but I think it's not always economically compatible. Currently, I'm not making my living as a composer. I work doing other things. I don't tend to call myself a composer generally. When I'm talking to people, I tend to call myself a musician because I question exactly what makes a person a composer. Like, do you have to have composed one piece, which I think many musicians have done? Or do you have to compose things regularly on a certain basis? I don't know. So that's not a label that I tend to 
embrace a lot in day-to-day -day life. But I would say that the job description of composer is very complicated and includes a lot of different things, depending on what stage of your life you're at. For me, as a university student, for instance, I've had to write music, but I've also had to find performers, coordinate them in ensembles, of course, print the music, sometimes organize the concerts and book the venues for the concerts and do the publicity for the concerts and create a Facebook page from which to have an organizing body to produce the concert and then get people to turn up for the concert, coordinate all the acts, get my act together, workshop the performers, do typesetting for their scores so that they, they look good so that they can play it well. Being a composer, I would say, you're being the person who makes the music happen, whatever that takes. There's got to be a motivating force behind making the music happen. And if you're giving music to an existing ensemble or an existing orchestra that's programming a concert series and they're essentially responsible for that motivating force, that's great. But I think sometimes you just need to be the person who pulls it through from there not being any music at all to a final performance with an audience. And so I think that's really exciting, but it's complicated. So what would you say is the most challenging thing about composing? Not having any ideas. I mean, that's writer's block. I mean, sometimes you get going on a roll and that's great. I've tried a lot of th different things to get to that point. You know, you try writing in a bunch of different contexts. I often try, you know, trying to write late at night or try to emotionally stimulate myself somehow, listening, um, doing new things. I think it was Neil Gaiman who said, Neil Gaiman's a writer, a science fiction writer, and he said of writing, but I think it applies to most art making. He said that when he's writing a book, he essentially hasn't figured out how to write books. At best, he hopes to figure out how to write the book he's currently writing. And I think that's, that's also true of writing music. You do everything to yourself, the equivalent of putting your brain through hot and cold baths just to try and shock it into giving you something. But then I think this AYO National Music Camp experience has been helpful because when I got here, I came here underprepared with not enough music, but I think being here, it's put the pressure on and it's given me a really good environment to get going and it's given me the, the gumption to start composing efficiently. Can you tell us a bit about the piece you've written for National Music Camp? Well, I've written a piece that does use some of those, those influences I was talking about before, some of those rhythmic devices, and to the extent that I could, those harmonic devices. It wasn't an easy piece to write. There was certainly a long time when it, it wasn't coming through. And I ended up getting through it on a succession of mostly, you know, after 10.30 at night until whenever I happened to go to bed, if at all. I ended up going with the title of Long Nights because it kind of symbolized that, you know, like wandering through the streets of my suburb, trying to find places which make me feel something, or staying up here in Adelaide in this Australian Youth Orchestra camp, feeling kind of despair during the night, and then coming through and in the morning seeing the sunrise over the canal. This kind of surreal, almost controlled madness kind of feeling was, I felt, fairly aptly endowed into the music. Uh, in terms of the technicalities of it, just this morning I came from talking to the conductor and we discussed a lot about how the rhythmic devices would work because there've been some very complex notation that we've had to work through and what will work with the performers, which can sometimes be a kind of a macho thing, like having really complex notation that confuses people can be a kind of a composer power play. And I really want to stay out of that territory. I don't want to have complicated notation for its own sake. You'll now hear Josh's piece, Long Nights.
The music you have heard was performed by an ensemble made up of tutors and participants at National Music Camp 2019. This podcast was produced and edited by Stella Joseph Jurecki and Maddie Chwoster, with assistance from Jakub Gaudashinsky and Philip Samets. The opening music is an excerpt from Melody Ertversch's piece Wild October Jones. For more podcasts about the 2019 National Music Camp composers and about National Music Camp in general, check out the AYO website.